Hello, this is Pastor Omar Lopez from Praise Chapel Paramount. This past weekend, I preached on the giant of offense. I talked about Luke chapter 17, verse 1, that it's impossible that offenses will not come. All of us, at one time or another, are going to be offended by someone, somewhere. Someone's going to outrage us. Someone is going to insult us. But how do we handle that offense? Because it's not what happens to us, it's what happens in us. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. So I believe there's some keys to overlook an offense. I believe there's some keys that God gives us to be able to deal with offense and to be healed of offenses. And so this past weekend, I pray that this message will bless you. We appreciate all of you being here today. Uh, we had a wonderful time in our earlier service here at 9 o'clock. And uh, we're just uh, looking forward to what the Lord's going to do today. Uh, we are on our final message on Giants Must Fall. And so we've been talking about how uh, even David faced Goliath. He was an underdog and he was able to defeat that giant. So today I want to talk about defeating this giant in our lives and I'm going to read verse, uh, or verse number one out of Luke chapter 17, and we're going to dive right into this message. So let's just take a moment to read this verse of scripture. The Bible says, then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus speaking to his followers. He says, it is impossible that offenses will not come, but woe to him through whom they do come. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word is true, that your word is powerful. God, that it's relevant even in 2020. God, that it applies to every part of our lives today. And so I pray today that the message of the word of God will come alive in hearts. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. Help us to receive the word of God. Let it not just be a message or information, but let it be transformation. So, Father, I pray today as I deliver the word of God that you would anoint every word that I speak and that the people of God would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. So the Bible says Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And let me just say this to you guys today. I have a lot of stuff I'm going to share today, so I'm going to try to get through it, okay? You just be with me and just go with me as we get on this ride. It's like a roller coaster. Is that all right? And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and these are his followers. And what he says is that it's impossible that offenses will not come. He said, if there's something that is definitely impossible, it's impossible not to be offended. It's one way or another, you're going to go through your happy life, but I'm going to say this to you, at one point, you're going to be offended. Someone is going to say something to you, do something to you that is going to upset you. Someone is going to offend you. It's probably already happened. It's probably going to happen. And let me just give you a news flash. No one is immune. No one is exempt from being offended. Jesus said that you're going to be offended and basically someone is going to insult you. Someone is going to outrage you. Someone is going to hurt you. Someone is going to say something to you that's going to offend you. It's a fact. Someone will violate you. It's a biblical fact. You will be offended. 
Welcome to Praise Chapel Christian Fellowship today, right? Welcome to church. Now, the reason why I say that today is because it is impossible to escape and because it is impossible or unachievable not to be offended. I want to talk about how to deal with offense. I want to talk about the giant of offense. Because at one time or another, you and I are going to be offended by someone or somebody. And isn't it amazing how easy we can be offended? I mean, it could be the smallest insignificant things in life that can offend you. How many just maybe this past weekend you were at the mall, and if you've ever been to Cerritos Mall, you're looking, man, it's hard to find parking. And then when you see one, you spot one on the other side, you make a turn as quick as you can, almost avoiding hitting people, and you get on it, and someone took your parking. You're like, man, I can't believe this. You're so mad, you're upset. Or, man, you came into church today, and you were expecting to sit in your normal seat that you like, you came in today and somebody took your seat. It ruined your worship, man. You said, I don't care. I'm going to sit in the back. I'm not, I'm not blaming you guys back there, but yeah, I'm sitting in the back. I, I just can't worship today. I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, this is getting me upset. Or somebody, uh, their tone of voice with, with you, the little, you know, they got a little loud with you and you're saying, who do you think you are? Or on the way, possibly you came on the way to church today and somebody cut you off in traffic and they come to praise chapel. And it's one of the pastors. You know, what can happen? No, literally months ago, I was coming, and one of the leaders in our church cut me off. I'm not going to say his name, Enrique, but uh, he, he cut me off. Oh, I meant to say his initials. Uh, he cut me off. I don't even know why I said that. Anyway, I'm sorry, Enrique. I'm sorry if I offended you. But anyway, cut me off. We come in, coming into the same drive. I go, bro, what's up, man? Come on. Really? I mean, come on. You know you can't go, I'm sorry, Pastor, I'm sorry. Well, we'll, we'll see about that. But anyway, it's all, all of these things. And let's just get real. How many of us, uh, you're sitting here and somebody, you know, you're watching what that girl's dressing like. I can't believe she's dressing like that. Strutting her stuff around here. Come on, let's be real. Don't be offended. But it happens even in church. And we're so surprised surprised that it happens in church. Uh, let me just say this to you. Wherever there is people, there's going to be offense. There's going to be, you're going to be offended by somebody because how many know what kind of people come to church? People that are imperfect, people that need some fixing, people that are broken. How many can say amen? How many of you here, let's just be honest, you've been offended at one point or another. Let's raise your hand if you can. Okay, if you, the rest of you can polish your halo. This message does not apply to you. But for the rest of us that are broken and realize that, you know what, I've been offended. Even Christians get offended. I mean, they walk in and go, why do they dim the light? Why, why did they use this version of the Bible? Huh? Uh, uh, why, why do they have TVs up here? Huh? You know, why this? Why that? And, and you'd be surprised how many times people, they get so offended, even Christians uh, that have been coming or they come here, they said, you know, I, I just can't believe all this. And, they, and I'll, 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 I'll touch a nerve. I'm really going to offend somebody right now. There are people here that get offended over politics. I can't believe they're voting for that person. Did you hear so-and-so's voting? That leader over there voted for that. You know what? Jesus never got involved in politics. He, he was bringing the kingdom of God. 
And, and you know, he didn't bash government. He didn't do all of that. In fact, Paul said, pray for the kings. Pray for the rulers. And during that time, man, they, these rulers were throwing Christians into the lines. Then he said, pray for them. So it doesn't matter who's the president and who's not the president. It's not about that. We're to pray for whoever's there. We know the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He rules anyway. But unfortunately, along the way, we're going to be offended. Something is going to upset us. And we got to get used to it. We got to realize today and we have to learn how to deal with it. And there's a scripture in, in, in the word of God out of uh, Proverbs chapter 19, 11. I think it gives us some great, great analogy of what, what, what we're supposed to do. And he says this, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. He said, it's to his glory to overlook an offense. So when you're wise, you learn how to be patient. You don't fly off the handle. You don't let your emotions get the best of you. And then the Bible said it's to your glory or to your honor, or it displays great virtue and character when you overlook an offense. It's not what happens to you. It's what happens in you. What are you allowing to get in you? You have to be able to have this ability to overlook an offense because we live in a world that is quick to judge, quick to call a foul, quick to say this is wrong and this is bad. But yet when it's time for us to be forgiven, when we offend someone, we want forgiveness right away. When, when someone offends us, we want to quickly, uh, you know, to bring out the, the, the machete or bring out the, 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 the hammer or whatever, you know, the hatchet. We want, to, we want to right away kill someone because they've offended us. You know, the two Hebrew words that talk about offense here in, in this particular scripture, it actually means to, to pass over an offense or, or to overlook an offense. Uh, basically, you're supposed to catch like a spiritual altitude in your walk with God and you're supposed to say you know what I'm not going to lower myself I'm not going to allow myself to be weighed down and get upset but I'm going to catch some altitude here and I'm going to rise above this offense it's to my glory it's to my honor and character to pass over that offense you know, so many times I meet people and I haven't seen them in church in a while what happened well you know someone offended me there at the church I'm offended. You know, I'm not going back there. Somebody offended me. Isn't it amazing this morning? We won't come back to church, but you'll go back to work even if they offended you. Your own boss can cuss you out. You'll be there the next morning. Am I right? I don't see you. I'm not going to work. I got offended. I'm not driving a car. Somebody offended me on traffic. I'm not going to these stores anymore. They offended me, man. Everywhere you go. I'm not going to the gym anymore. I mean, come on. You might as well just sit, sit in the chair at home and do nothing because someplace you're going to be offended. And it's basically, I like this analogy. It's almost like if you're going to the airport and someone offends you at the airport because you've probably been offended at the airport before. And it basically you get offended. But when you get in the airplane, as you're flying above higher and higher, as you're soaring, the people get lower and lower. They get smaller and smaller. You're overlooking, you're passing over, and you're soaring above the offense. Now, it's interesting that in New Zealand, I was reading this the other day, that there are 41% of the birds in New Zealand are flightless. They don't have the ability to fly. 
They have the penguins. They have all these different birds. The kiwi, uh, these other birds. I can't even pronounce them. I wrote them down, but I don't want to butcher the words. And so, and some I may, you know, mispronounce it. And the reason why they are flightless is they found because there are no predators in the island of New Zealand. They don't have any snakes. They don't have any wolves. They don't have any bobcats. So they don't have any predators that will eat the bird. Therefore, because they have no predators, there's no need for them to fly. There's no need for, to fly when you don't have, an, you, there's no need to fly when you don't have a predator. So you eventually lose the ability to fly. So generationally, these birds, because they have no predators, they have no enemies, they have no opposition, have lost their ability to fly. Let me just say this to you. When you have predators in your life, it creates the ability to fly, but these birds have adapted themselves. They have grounded themselves. They have basically learned how to get along on the floor instead of this God-given nature to fly. And so if you want to scratch around on the barnyard, you can or you can learn how to deal with opposition learn how to deal with a fit and soar like an eagle if you want to mount high like an eagle today you're gonna have to learn how to deal with your enemies you're gonna have to learn how to deal with opposition and problems they say that uh, pilots say that the best time for them to fly they always if you ever ask the pilot they will tell you that they always are checking the wind conditions because they know that when they fly the plane, they want to fly against the wind, not with the wind. Because what happens is when that plane takes off, that wind causes something called lift. And it causes those wings, it opposes the wings, and it causes them to get the proper lift that they need. Because of the opposing wind. Again, if you want to mount high and soar like an eagle, you need some opposition. You need some hostility. You need to be able to get through offense because that opposition causes you to lift. It'll lift your praise. It'll lift your prayer life. It'll lift your commitment to God. It'll raise your level of running to God when you learn how to deal with opposition. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. I'm going to just tell you. I, I appreciate the golf claps. You know, I like that. But if you're going to clap, I need you to really clap, okay? Not the, not the golf claps. And so here, here, let me just say this to you. Not only does opposition cause offense, not only are we offended by opposition, but many times we're offended by the truth. The truth offends us. The truth many times offends a lot of people. Even Jesus had the ability, the son of God, God himself in the flesh, offended a lot of people. When we talk about the most offensive preacher that ever lived, it was Jesus. He offended a lot of people. See, a lot of people say, well, Jesus just loved everybody. Jesus just hugged everybody. He was just, you know, all, I, I, he did, but he also offended a lot of people. And if you really get down to it, the reason why he was put into trial in the middle of the night and they crucified him is because they were offended by him. They were offended by the fact that he said he was the son of God. They didn't like that truth. They didn't like who he was. And in fact, the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know what? The Pharisees are offended by what you're saying. Let me read you this verse of scripture. 
out of Matthew chapter 15. He said, these people, look at what Jesus is saying. Jesus is speaking these words. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Is that not offensive already? You, you do a lot of this, but your heart is far from me, just like that. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But when it comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard these things? So basically, the disciples are acting like a lot of people are acting today. Hey, don't you know what you're saying? Offending people? Quiet down. Change the message. Water it down. You know, you're not delivering it right. People are getting offended. They're not going to come back to church if you keep preaching like that. And so that's what they were coming to Jesus. And, and Jesus understood it wasn't the message that was disturbing. It was their hard heart. The message didn't need to change. The Pharisees' hearts needed to change. And Jesus knew that. And then look how he follows up. And look at what he said next. I really find this really offensive. Matthew 15, 14. Let them alone. Let them go. They are blind guides leading the blind. Is that not offensive or what? You're the blind leading the blind. Let them go. Don't even pay attention to them. See, Jesus was able to deliver the truth. And a lot of us think, well, this is very offensive. But in reality, it was misplaced offense because Jesus understood that the truth will set people free. But the hardness of their heart will cause them to run away from that. See, the gospel, let me just be honest. When you, get, when you really preach the gospel, it's exclusive and offensive to many people. And people that are dishonest, people that have sinful heart, will always be offended by the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is so simple, but yet people will be offended. And we cannot allow ourselves as Christians to be bullied into silence. We cannot allow ourselves as Christians to allow them, amen, to keep us because this person or this group offended by the truth. Man, you're not going to bully me not saying what I need to say. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to declare the word of God. But see, the truth could be very offensive to people. And, and believe it or not, even, even Christians could be offended by the truth. See, if you're a disciple of Christ, you're a learner. That's what, that's what a disciple, he's a learner. He's a follower. And as learners and followers, we're constantly being corrected by the Holy Spirit. We're constantly being corrected by the word of God. And God uses people in our lives to speak into our lives to bring correction. Can somebody say amen? I, I've talked to people, they go, oh, no, Jesus is my pastor. I only let Jesus tell me. And I say, man, you can't handle Jesus being your pastor. If Jesus was your pastor, I mean, look at Peter. He said, get behind me, you devil. Do you want your pastor to tell you that? Get behind me, you devil. You, all you care is about the things of men, not of God. He'd come into the church and start turning over tables and money and all this stuff. He'd come to your house, turn over your tables and your furniture. How many want your pastor to do that? That's exactly what Jesus did. I mean, he came in. He didn't care what was going on. And so we have to be able as believers to receive truth to help us along the way. In fact, Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man, what? Listens to advice. 
So don't be so spiritual that you say, well, I only listen to the Holy Spirit. No, God brings people into our life that help us along the way. Can you say amen? Now, let me read the rest of that verse in Luke chapter 17. And Jesus says, watch yourselves. He's talking again. He's talking about uh, prior to that. He's talking about how it's impossible uh, that you're not going to be offended. He goes, watch yourself. In other words, uh, uh, guard your heart. If your brother or sister sins, warn them to stop. So this is bringing correction to them. If they change their hearts and lives, in other words, if they have repentance, forgive them. If someone sins against you seven times in one day and returns seven times and says, I'm changing my ways or I apologize, you must forgive them. Boy, that's pretty offensive, isn't it? Someone sins against you, not just one time a day, but seven times. The Bible says you're to forgive them. But I like the way he starts the verse. He says, watch yourself, guard yourself, guard your heart. Be alert. Look at your own self first. We're always pointing at other people's fault, but look at your own because we're offensive too. We can offend people, am I right? Maybe not intentionally, but unintentionally at times we have offended people. You didn't return the text in an hour, but maybe you returned it 24 hours later. Somebody's offended by you. You said you were going to be there at this time, but you weren't able to commit it. You called the last minute and said, I can't make it. They're offended. You didn't meet their expectation. Somebody say amen. So we got to guard our hearts because if we don't guard our hearts, we create a fence between us and other people. And so we have to be very careful that when we bring correction, that we're bringing correction and giving them room for repentance. It says, warn them. In other words, you see them in the wrong. You see them doing deliberately wrong, not nitpicking what they're doing, but they're deliberately doing wrong. You're to speak to them in love and give them room enough to repent. Can you say amen? You speak the truth. You say what's, what's right to these people and you help them. But I have found, even as the pastor, that even when I do that, people get highly offended. Even when I try to bring correction to someone, they take it as a personal attack rather than I'm trying to help them from living in sin, trying to help them from destroying their lives. It's like people think the pastor's out to get them. I'm not out to get you. If I need to, if I'm trying to give you some advice, if I'm bringing correction, it's for your benefit, not mine. It's not like I'm waking up in the morning and saying, man, I got you. I got you now. I got something on you. Oh, I got, oh, I got something to say to you. In fact, I try to pray. I try to believe God that I won't have to be the one to do that. I try to believe God that the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. But many times as the pastor, I got to speak the truth because I see the devil setting up a trap in your life. He, he's gotten a snare in your life. And so I have to speak to you. If you're living with somebody that's not your husband and wife, you're in the wrong. You can't do it. You're not supposed to do it. You need to get married or go a different way and get married later. Are you hearing me? That's the truth. Don't get offended. I'm preaching the word of God. Don't let it become a stumbling block in your life. Don't hold on to an offense. See, here's, here's the problem many times. When we get offended... We can hold on to that offense and it can get deep. And that offense begins to be a stumbling block, not only in our lives, but a stumbling block in other people's lives too. Because we carry that offense with us. We have to be careful that that offense 
doesn't become a stumbling block in our lives. And, the, and so therefore, we won't receive any correction. We won't receive the word of God. We won't receive what God is doing. And we become a stumbling block not only to ourselves, but to other people. Let me give you an example of where uh, this offense became such a, a stumbling block in people's lives that it affects other people. See, your offense, when it gets down deep rooted, really deep in your heart, it affects people around you, not just you. It affects other people. I'll give you an example. Uh, the story back in Genesis where God tells Cain and Abel, he tells them to sacrifice before him, to bring a sacrifice. And we know the Bible says that Abel brought the proper sacrifice, the one that pleased God, and Cain did not. Cain did not bring the pop proper sacrifice. And the Bible says uh, when he did that, that, he, that God corrected him and, and, and Abel or Cain was mad. And read, look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. It says, if you do well, won't you be accepted? This is God speaking to him. But if you don't do well, sin is lying outside your door ready to attack. It wants to control you, but you must master it. We have to be very careful today that we don't allow that sin to get a hold of us and then it masters our lives. The Bible said it got so deep in Cain's life that he ends up murdering his own brother. It's the first murder. He murders his brother because he's so offended. I've seen people here in church get so offended that they take their whole family out of church. The other people are not even offended, but that one person in the whole family gets offended. And, oh, we're all leaving. We're all going. And so now you've, you've poisoned and you've destroyed their lives. Because you're so mad. You're so offended. I've seen them take people out of the church. I've seen whole family leave the church because one person in that family got offended. And basically it got on everybody else. Everybody else was peaceful, but that one person had an offense. And they just murdered everybody else and took them out of church. Affected the destiny and the lives of other people. I'll say a little bit more about that in just a few moments. I'm just getting warmed up, okay? Genesis chapter 37. There's another story about Joseph. The Bible says Joseph has tremendous favor from God. We know that his father favored him. Jacob favored him over all the other brothers. And that was offensive to all the other. They were offended that he gets the coat of many colors. They were offended that he had this dream and he begins to share this dream with his other brothers that, that one day, hey, you guys are all going to bow down. They're even more offended. That the Bible said their offense came into hate. They hated him. And they said, you know what? We're going to get this guy. And sure enough, they're ready to murder him. They throw him in a pit, but we know the story. They sell him into slavery. Why? Because this whole family or these whole, all these brothers were offended by, by what their brothers, they, the favor of God was on them. But they were offended by him. Sometimes, I know it don't happen in church, but sometimes we see the favor of God, people here in church, and you're sitting there, why did he get to do that? Why is she leading prayer? Why is he leading prayer? Why did he give testimony? I've been here. You know how long I've been here? And you start, I know it doesn't happen here at the church down the street, but just in case, just in case, don't get offended, just in case, it might happen. And so, so that, that all that offense gets built up in us. Here sometimes we get offended because we, we, somebody didn't meet our expectations. 
Somebody in the church, a leader in the church didn't meet our expectation. The pastor didn't meet our expectation. Let me give you an example. I love this story here out of 2 Kings uh, chapter 5, verse 9. It's the story of Naaman. He's the Syrian general, but he's got leprosy, and he needs the miracle of God, and he goes to Israel, and, and the prophet of God says, tell him to come to my house, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see that he gets healed of his leprosy. So Naaman, uh, this general, goes to the house of the prophet Elisha to get healed, But the problem is, Elisha the prophet doesn't even answer the door. He sends his disciple to answer the door. And his disciple gives him instructions on what to do. And he tells him, yeah, well, Elisha told me to tell you, go down to the river Jordan, wash yourself seven times, and you'll be healed of your leprosy. And and Naaman says, hold on a second, I'm a general. You know what? When I come to the door, people answer. Man, when I speak, people listen. You know, what's going on, you know? And, and so he said, I can't believe Elisha didn't even come to the door, but he sends his little, you know, his little Wookiee or whatever guy is and <laughs> sends him to be the disciple. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm not doing this. And look, look at his reaction. He's offended. Look at his reaction. Second Kings 5.11. But Naaman became angry and walked away. He's walking away from his miracle. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over me. See, we think, you know, evangelists waving hands over people was something modern, but they did it right back then. I thought he would wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of, his, of the Lord his God and heal me. In other words, I came expecting this. Are you hearing me? But I got this. I'm offended. I thought the pastor was going to pray over me. I thought the pastor was going to come talk to me. I thought the pastor was going to visit me at the hospital. You know, I, I, I don't want your little basket. I don't want that, the other pastor coming. I want, I want, you know, I want the main man to come to the pastor, come pray for me. Oh, yeah, I know it don't happen here. I'm saying that I'm reading the story. I'm reading the story. Don't get offended. Don't get offended, right? He was offended because he was expecting something, and it didn't work out the way he wanted it. Or the way he thought. Many times that's how offenses come. They come in a way where things don't come the way we expected them to come. Somebody let us down. They didn't meet the need the way we thought. And so now we're offended. Now we're walking away angry. Thank God the Bible said that as Naaman was walking away angry, he was upset. His fellow officers came around him and said, calm down, man. Calm down. He said, if the prophet of God would have told you to do something difficult, you would have done it. But he told you to do something simple, right? If he told you to get your leg, spin around that way, you'd have done it, right? But he didn't tell you to do that. Like that? Yeah, I still got it. I could still do that. Anyway. I, I need exercise, though. But anyway. Um, don't try that at home. And, and I'm having too much fun. Let me drink my water But he told him to do something simple. And he said, hey, he told you to do something. Why don't you just go wash in the river seven times, see what happens. Thank God he listened to his friends. Can I tell you, we need some friends like that. Don't be afraid to tell your friend the truth. And when they they start walking around, leaving the church mad at somebody, say, hey, calm down, bro. Calm down. It's not that bad. 
Come on, come, bro, let's pray. Why are you leaving? Come on. Chill out, dude. You're acting like a fool. You're acting like a little baby. Come on, man. Come on, you hung out on the street. You beat up, you know, five guys at one time, and you're mad over this guy. He didn't shake your hand. Really? Come on. Calm down. Take it easy. Take it easy. Anyway, so here. So I'm, I'm, I'm having too much fun. So here we go. So the next, the next guy I want to bring out is John the Baptist. Did you know that John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins? Did you know that? And the Bible said that John the Baptist gets arrested, and he gets arrested uh, uh, because uh, there's a grudge, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but there's a grudge against him. He gets arrested, and so as he's in prison, he, he wonders why Jesus had not bailed him out. He's wondering, man, when is Jesus going to come? Remember, John the Baptist had proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah. He said he's the, he's the Lamb of God. He's proclaimed him to be the one. And Jesus has not showed up to bail, them, bail him out. And he's wondering, how come? And so he's wondering why Jesus hasn't even visited him yet. And so finally he sent the messenger and said, well, go ask Jesus if he's really the one. Because now John the Baptist is kind of wavering in his faith. He's kind of offended that Jesus has not delivered him yet. And you know what Jesus responds? He said this in Matthew eleven six: Blessed is the man who's not offended in me. He basically says, you know what? Just because I didn't get you out of prison, just because I didn't do what you wanted me to do, doesn't mean the, the lame are not walking, the blind are not seeing, that God's not moving. Maybe God's not doing everything you want him to do, but God's still moving. And eventually we know that he gets beheaded. And the reason he gets beheaded, and here's where I really want to talk about here, is because there's a woman by the name of Herodias that has the grudge against John the Baptist. She is mad. She is upset. You know why she's mad? Because John the Baptist is preaching the truth. See, the truth will get people mad. And he calls her out on her sin, and she doesn't like it. In fact, let me read you this verse of scripture here. I don't think I gave it to the guy, but I'll read it to you in Mark chapter 6. It says, for John said to Herod, he's talking to Herod, her husband now, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias, who was his wife, had a grudge. She held a grudge against him and would have him killed, but she could not do it. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and protected him. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, but heard him gladly. So her husband listened to him, but she was mad because she was convicted of her sin. And if you know the story, the Bible says that one day they have this big party and Herodias' daughter is dancing before King Herod. And he's dancing before him. He gets all excited and he says, you know what? I'll give you up to half my kingdom. I'll give you whatever you want. I'll give you up to half my kingdom right now. And so she goes to her mom. This is her opportunity. Listen to me. This is the opportunity for her daughter to be blessed, to receive a great inheritance. She could have up to half the kingdom. She goes to her mom, Herodias, expecting her mom to give her some wisdom and some good advice. What do I ask for, mom? Well, the mom is holding a grudge. And she said, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. And the Bible says that's exactly what she asked. And they chopped the head of a righteous man 
because a mom had a grudge that she passed on to her daughter. See, let me tell you something today. We have to be very careful that you're not passing on the grudges that you have to your children. Because you're robbing them of God's inheritance and blessing for their life. If we're not careful, we begin to tell our children the beefs and the problems that we have with other people. Your children should know what beefs you have. They should know what problems you have. I've been to people's house, and man, the children know all the problems. They know all the issues. Yeah, mom has something against this person. Yeah, she's mad. And it's the wonder why some of our children don't want to come back to church because you have a beef with sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so, and they know all about it when I go to your house. Really? You're going to go ahead and shout it on the rooftops? You're wrong. And I'm gonna, I, I want to rebuke some parents because you shouldn't be telling your children the beef that you have. It shouldn't happen. You're polluting them. You're destroying the blessing and the inheritance that they could have. You're robbing them of a blessing because of your little grudge. Because of that thing that you keep feeding. You should have got it right a long time. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to let that go and say you're telling your children all your problems. I'm going to tell you something. I've been a pastor here for 30 years. I've been offended many times. Let me just tell you that. Not lately, thank God, but I've been offended many times. There have been people, they just want to, you know, they want to just say stuff to me because they think, you know, well, I'm just telling the pastor whatever. whatever, whatever. Um, okay, go ahead, man. But I've never gone home and told my children, oh, yeah, so that guy over there, yeah, he told me this. We're going to get him. No, we don't do that. <laughs> We don't say, I'm going to get the Christian mafia. There's no such thing. There's no Christian mafia. It's called forgiveness. My children never know who I've had a beef with or quarrel with or disagree. They've never known. I've never, I, 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 there's, there's things I've never even told my wife. Because I don't want to pass on that pollution to her and my children. And so you're wrong if you've done that. You need to change your ways. You need to repent. You need to repent today and say, I'm not going to do that because you don't want to pass that to your children. I shouldn't be able to go to your house and your kids know all the problems and issues you have with others. That is wrong if you do. You're a kid if you do that. You don't cry down. You cry up. You cry up to God. You don't cry down to your children. We've got to learn how to mature a little bit. I know you're being offended, but that's okay. I'm preaching on offense anyway. Hallelujah. Right? So we have to be very careful that we're not poisoning the rest of our family and being a stumbling block to them and destroying God's blessing that God has for their life. I'm going to read you this last story because I think it's really, really powerful that happens here. This is some high offense going on here. These, these guys are highly offended in this story. I'm going to read you this story here out of Second Kings. Uh, chapter 10 let me just kind of give you a little bit of what's going on here in this story there's a king that had just passed away and his son is now taking the throne and king david says you know what this king from the ammonite king has been very kind to me and i remember his kindness so i want to show some kindness back so he sends over a delegation or representatives Uh, uh, he actually he gets his two mighty men 
because the Bible says he's got these mighty men that are with David, but he gets the strongest two mighty men to say, listen, guys, I need you guys to go over there and show some respect and give our condolences to this leader who's passed away and also offer condolences to the family and respect to the new son who's the prince who's going to become the king. I want you to, I'm sending you over at the delegation to represent me to go to this nation. It's the same way we do here in America when someone passes away from another country. It, we send a delegation. We send ambassadors. We send a vice president. Sometimes the president himself will go to that nation to give his res, uh, respect, condolences, show kindness. And so it's the same way. So David does this, but they misinterpret what, they're, what they do. or they, rep, they misinterpret what's going on. Let me just read you this part of the story. That David thought, 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 2, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation, again, to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, so they came there. They're giving their, they're, they're there on a peace journey, on a, on a peace mission, basically. And they come, they give their condolences, but somebody gets in the prince's ear, the next king, and says, oh, do you think they're here to give their condolences? Do you really think they're here to show kindness? These guys are here to spy out the land. These guys are here to check out the surrounding. They're, they're wanting to see our weaknesses. They're wanting to see where, where we're vulnerable at. They're planning to come back and attack. They're not here to show kindness. They're not here on a peace mission. They're here to come back and kill us. Do you really think they're here to do that? So as a result, the Bible says that they humiliate these two guys. What they do is they shave off half their beard. And I'll explain what the beard represents in Middle Eastern customs. And then they get their robe and they cut the backside. I can't really, I don't want to illustrate it here, but they expose their buttocks, okay, their rear end. And they basically humiliate these guys. Now, I would imagine these guys probably didn't come with their weapons. They probably didn't come with a lot of army, so they probably couldn't fight back. And I'm sure that these guys would rather have, you know, been beaten or cut or wounded, but instead they're humiliated. They cut half their beard, their rear end is exposed, and basically they spank them like little babies and say, go on home, boy, get out of here. You know, like Kansas City Chiefs did to the 49ers, get on out of here, boy, get on out of here, go, you know, you got to play four quarters, not three, get, 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 get on out of here. Yeah, I had to say that. Anyway, we'll move on, let's. Let's, let's move on to the scripture here. I had to say that, you 49er fans. Anyway, 2 Kings 10.4. You thought you were all that. Anyway, so Hanan, second year quarterback, one, you guys. So Hanan sees, look at what it says. So Hanan sees, how did I get involved in that? Let's go back to the scripture. Don't get offended. So Hanan sees David's ambassadors shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robe at the buttocks. Amen. Like, uh, what's his name? Right, yeah, Forrest Gump. That's right. <laughs> Prince. I guess there's somebody out there. Okay. He sent them back. Well, we got a lot of stories going on. Sent them back. 
to David in shame. Now, let me just explain to you what's going on. In Middle Eastern custom, and actually still to this day, a beard represents rank. A beard represents maturity. It represents identity. When you had your beard, it represents who you were. So what they were doing is robbing, robbing or tampering with their identity, tampering with their ranks, and obviously uh, exposing uh, their rear end with basically robbing them of their authority and sending them home back in shame. Now here's what I want you to catch. Even if you do what is right and you seek to do the will of God, you will still find yourself wounded and hurt by other people offending you. Even when you're following the king's instruction. A lot of us are, are surprised. I can't believe this is happening in church. Friend, when you do the will of God, other people will wound you. You'll get hurt. Learn how to deal with it. No one's exempt. Can you say amen? amen. Welcome to life. Amen. You will be offended. Welcome to life. That is life. If you're trying to live your life, never, you, you're, you're, I don't know where you're, you're living in Never Never Land, man. You're living in, in, in a viral world. That doesn't happen. Here, right here in real life, you're going to get offended. Amen. People are going to misinterpret you. Amen. They misinterpret these guys' mission. So they go, I didn't mean, you know, I came for this. They misinterpret you. They hurt you. Deal with it. Don't let it get in you. So the Bible said they're coming back home. They're, 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 they're coming back home in humiliation. They're coming back home in shame. And David hears that they're on their way home. They tell David what's happened. And David said, hold on a second. Don't let them come here. Don't let them come into town. I don't want them to be any more shamed. They've already been shamed. I don't want them to be any more embarrassed than they've already have. I don't want them in the town circle. I want you to tell them to go to the city of Jericho and stay there a while, lodge there a while until their beard grows back. We'll send a seamstress, a tailor, to fix everything else up and get everything else fixed up. And then after all of that, they can come back. Do you know that the city of Jericho, what the name means, it means place of fragrance or sweet place so God is saying I want you to go to that sweet place I want you to go to that place of fragrance how many know Jesus is the fragrance where you get healing where you get restored and I want you to stay there and then when your beard grows back don't worry you're going to get over this your beard's going to come back your dignity is going to come back. Your respect is going to get. But I want you to go to that place where you can receive healing, where you can receive restoration. Don't seek vengeance. Don't get angry. Don't try to get even. Go over to the sweet place. Remind me of the prodigal son when he came and the father said, you know what? He saw them and he was all covered in muck and mire and he gave him a new robe and he put shoes on his feet and a ring on his hand. Says, you know what? He covered his shame. He said, I'm restoring him. I'm going to restore him. I'm going to, I'm going to heal him. God is saying to you, go to that sweet place in the presence of God where God forgave you, where God restored you, and so that you can release others that have offended you. Go to that sweet place, the altar of God. Go to that sweet place where you can get some healing in your soul. Don't get filled with that anger. Don't get filled with that grudge. Go to the sweet place where Jesus is at. 
I want us to bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Holy Spirit, right now. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.